this is actually the first time I'm doing this. I am opening up a room in Clubhouse while simultaneously doing a Facebook Live in my Trigger Proof community. And the topic of this room simply is from insecure relationships to secure relationships. Really, essentially, every single person who ever reaches out, DMs, applies to work with us, has essentially the same problem. It was a really big revelation that I had when I um, was a chiropractor. I mean, what the hell, what the hell am I doing talking about this is often what I realize myself saying sometimes before I hit go live. What's up, Jen? Um, it's really interesting now that I'm talking about this uh, five years ago, 10 years ago, actually, if you told me that I was talking about this very thing right now, that I would be teaching people and guiding people to create more secure relationships in their lives, I would have thought, what the hell? <laughs> why, like, why are you doing this? Like, what gives you the right? Uh, what's up, Karen? <laughs> just hearing, because uh, we're live right now on Facebook. So I'm also on Clubhouse. So if you ever want to, just trying to put the two apps together. So if you jump on Clubhouse and you're listening simultaneously, there's an opportunity for you to, you know, ask questions and be included in the conversation, perhaps maybe even get some coaching. So if you want to jump on um, Clubhouse at the same time, now's a good time to do it. If you uh, are just hearing about me for the very first time, What's up? My name is Dr. Nima Romani, and I love talking about this topic because I teach what I'm most needed to learn. I, my specialty is in helping sick people get well, uh, helping people get, uh, alleviate their physical suffering. As a chiropractor of 20 years, people came in with jaw pain, neck pain, headaches, digestive issues, and I love working you know, with their spine and their nervous system to be able to create a sense of relaxation where they at one point had tension. And this restriction in, um, in movement, this res restriction in kind of flow of the nervous system creates states of dis-ease that if allowed to prolong, then people get uh, dizzies. And so I just thought, this is such a cool profession. And within 10 years of doing it, I realized that most people are coming in to see me because of stress-related problems. Simultaneously, while I was helping people through this with this new revelation of mine, I was going through a divorce. So as my relationship kind of started to unravel, I started to feel... Um, extremely stressed, extremely um, uh, anxious, uh, just not okay. Um, and what ended up happening was I, lo and behold, I, uh, I started feeling anxious and depressed and not well. And so what I decided to do was to work on healing those parts of myself. And it sent me on this journey and I'm the type of person, whenever I learn, some, I, I, I learn something that I need, and then I just have this natural knack for being a teacher about it. I mean, the word doctor actually means teacher. So everything I learn and I get into conversations with my patients about, I just thought, hey, this would be really great to 
include. So on my personal development journey, healing from my divorce, uh, the, the anxiety, the feelings of failure, I started creating these little workshops in my clinic called Life Skills for a Stressful World. And these were offerings that I would give to my patients. And I would notice that the patients that, imp- that, that would show up to these workshops that I would do on the weekends <clears throat> started doing better. They got better faster. They stayed better longer. They are far, I don't know, I just had a deeper intimacy with them. I enjoyed working with those people. And slowly my desire in my practice went from trying to go, you know, like wide with my clientele. I wanted to have fewer clientele and go deeper. I don't know. That was just part of my own maturity before it was all about numbers for me. And as I got older and wiser, I was like, eh, I want quality over quantity. You know what I'm talking about if you've ever been in that situation. So slowly I started to adapt my offering to start to do more of these workshops in my office. And I just found myself craving being up there, not just because I love the attention. I mean, let's face it, who who doesn't love the attention of people really loving your content and um, wanting to listen more and be curious of what you're saying? I absolutely love that. That does kind of cater to the wounded child inside of me that didn't feel seen and heard by his parents. So I'm not going to pretend that that's not there. However, um, I just felt like I love who I became when I uh, was teaching people about the why behind the choices that they're making. Because ultimately what I really was trying to instill on my clients is, (coughs) excuse me, just coming coming down from a cold, got my COVID test. It was negative. So it was interesting. Got nose raped yesterday. Wow. I'm still recovering from it. So if you hear some sniffles and stuff, that's what's up. Um, and what I what I was what I was discovering is that the more that the deeper that I went with my own development, it shifted and whatever I learned to help myself on that path was the thing that I would integrate and then offer to my patients to the point where after about eight, five to eight years of doing that, I started realizing that I just wanted to be teaching and I could easily do the chiropractic stuff. I could send it off uh, and, and have other associates do it. But I really wanted to, to, to teach people how to heal their relationship dynamics. So lo and behold, interestingly enough, I was going through one relationship after another, after my divorce, and I didn't know that it was uh, an, a, an avoidant attachment style that I was living. I just thought, I, I don't want to commit again. I tried the marriage thing, didn't work for me. Um, I thought I would, you know, I just couldn't handle it when things kind of ruptured after three years of our marriage, uh, my, with my ex-wife and I. Um, I just felt this kind of abandonment even within the relationship and when I brought it up and I kind of said something to the effect of I can't stay married to you if you you know if you're like this if you don't you know like I I use the word divorce for the first time and I remember it was a February it was three years in our relationship and it's the first time I ever used the d word and I was saying that I look back now and I said when I threatened divorce I was saying it because I wanted the other per I wanted my wife to go, oh my gosh, you, you want a divorce? Like, don't say that. I'm willing to do whatever it takes 
to reconnect whatever's, whatever's missing. That was my real intention when I said it. It wasn't because I wanted a divorce. I was saying it because I didn't know then what I know now. I was saying it in a form of, I, I was saying it like, can you just step up and give me what I fucking want? <laughs> I look back and I'm just like, gee, no wonder why it didn't work. Because now what I know now is she went through a trauma response based on the fact that her father left her mother at the age of one. For me to use the word, and her biggest fear was divorce. For me to use the word divorce, it didn't open her up at all. It actually shut her right down. And she went into what I know now to be a freeze response where she dissociated. And for months, I was like, I was wanting connection and we would try, but I just felt a numbness from her. I'd be like, what's the matter? And then my anxious kind of like my um, abandonment wounds would show up. And then I would fight and I'd, I'd make the excuse. I'd say, I've given you a great life. I've been giving you the best life. Look at all of the things you have that others don't have, right? Saying it in the form of like, love me, love me. But it, it didn't land that way for her. It landed like, what's the matter with you? Why don't you fix yourself? It was very invalidating to her. I didn't know that at the time. And this is why I'm really inspired to teach this because most of us don't really learn the skills in what it takes to create a secure relationship. I sure as hell did not know. Let me know if this is resonating with you. Definitely let me know if this is resonating with you. And so I, it, it, I didn't realize it then, but that set me on a trail of one relationship after another. I think I, last time I counted was like nine till, to 11. I don't know, I lost count after 11 and it's kind of embarrassed about it, but that's what it was until uh, I had a major blowout with a relationship that where the actual, the police were actually involved. And it's, the, it's something to the effect of the closest thing I've ever really experienced, rock bottom. I thought I had experienced it before, but it wasn't as deep as this. And so that was the wake-up call I needed. And I realized after I did this, um, my attachment style survey, I realized I was an avoidant attached. And I was going through exactly the same pattern, no matter what woman that I was dating, back and forth, exactly the same story, where it was a deep connection. Oh my God, could she be perfect? This is the one, this is the one. And then when it shit got real, I didn't know how to regulate. I didn't know how to reconnect. I felt unseen. I went into my wound. She went into her wound. We didn't know how to repair from the rupture. I didn't even know what these terms meant. I didn't know terms what misattunement was. I didn't understand what rupture was. I didn't understand what a repair is. I just was modeled really shitty relationship dynamics with narcissistic parenting. And I'm not saying this to bag on my parents. I'm saying it very matter of factly because they really didn't have any training in understanding and healing their attachment traumas. They were at the effect of their own unresolved, of their parents, 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 unresolved attachment traumas. And they were raised with authority and discipline and Sometimes there was corporal punishment and uh, shaming tactics to get you the child to behave. That's just what you did in Iran at the time and growing up, right? And they, 
they were 22, 23 when they had me and my twin brother. I have a 14 month old now. He's a handful. And so, and I'm 46 in a couple weeks, in a week or so. And so I'm like, so, you know, I'm like, fuck, I can't believe my parents did this at the age of 22, 24, having twins and then moving across the world when the revolution started. Because the Baha'is in Iran, the Baha'i faith is where I was raised in, were heavily persecuted. So in other, there was a tyrannical government coming in. Um, the revolution started. And so it was like, my, my parents were like, we're getting the fuck out of Dodge. You know, I don't want my kids to be in the military fighting some stupid ass war. So I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this in, the, in, in a way of, of really insulting my parents. The, the, um, the narcissistic parenting style was the MO of parenting. So that led, and plus a childhood trauma, which I didn't even know existed, uh, in my body from a separation trauma at the age of two when my mother came with my brother to Canada from Iran to explore immigrating, right? So that, th I, I didn't, I don't remember it, but when I did my first breathwork event after that last relationship broke down and I was just in a freeze I couldn't think, I couldn't do any of my personal development work and Demartini method and Byron Katie to try to work through my uh, shame and my fear and my anxiety. Nothing was working, which led me down a path into my body. I realized I was using personal development to not feel as kind of like a cognitive bypass to not feel all of this horrible shit that I felt about myself, my insignificance, my, um, you name it, <laughs> not enoughness and all of that. So down this rabbit hole I go and I realized that, uh, in my first breathwork session, I, I am, I, they call it rebirthing for a reason. I went in and I just, I discovered the root cause of my insecure attachments. And I didn't even know it. There's no way I could have talked about it because I didn't even remember, but it came out during my first breathwork session. By the way, that's my son, Dominic, if you can hear him right now. Um, during my first breathwork session, I re-experienced the trauma of delivery. I'm a twin. And I saw and I felt, I didn't just see, I felt kind of like with, as the, the brainwave slowed down and you relax, I felt the, my, my, my birth experience again. And here I am with my brother and my brother leaves first. And cause he was born first, I was born five minutes later. And I remember that experience. And I started saying this out loud. And like, I think I was screaming, I was doing this in a room full of other people in a conscious relationships training that I was doing live at the time. And I just started wailing, screaming, I'm so scared of being alone. I'm so scared of being alone. I'm so scared of being alone. And I just started. And all of a sudden, after that was done, I got up and I'm like, Whew, well, that fucking explains my, my choices in relationships. And I didn't understand what insecure relationship attachments actually were. And then I realized that there was nothing wrong with me, that I actually have what's called an avoidant 
pattern where I have a craving for connection, but when intimacy comes up, all of a sudden I feel like it's going to be taken away. Kind of like what, just like what I felt like when I was two years old and when I was two years old and I dissociated from my mother who left and I was, you know, alone with, with being raised by my grandparents for three months. That separation is a trauma with a small T on a child. And that's where our insecure attachments come from. And if you're hearing this for the very first time, you, have, you don't understand what they are, our, our secure, insecure attachment dynamics, relational dynamics, it's just a guideline. It's not the end all and be all. It's not a diagnosis. It's not written in stone. It doesn't matter so much in the big picture. It's just a starting point. And when I saw and understood my attachment style, it started, I started putting the pieces of my insecure attachments kind of together as the foundation for my journey up the mountain to do what I thought would be pretty impossible, which is to get married again. I thought I would never get married and fuck, have a kid? There's no way I would ever have a kid. That's just not me. People would say, ah, Nima's not ready to have a kid. I'm like, meh, it's not for me. It turns out, my insecure attachments were part of why I couldn't have relationships that worked. I couldn't, um, I was preoccupied with the many rather than being able to create intimacy with the one. I was never, you can hear Dominic in the background, I was never ready to be a dad. Hell no, I'd be like, uh, I was terrified of it, you know? And now I am so, uh, I don't know what the word is, I'm so inspired by, by that. And so I really wanted to share the kind of fundamentals that I went through in order to go from insecure avoidant to a secure attachment. First of all, if you don't have, you don't know what your attachment style is, send me a DM and uh, I'll get you the link for the atta my attachment style quiz. And again, it's, 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 it's a guide. It's not, it's not a diagnosis. It's not written in stone. And what I'm telling you now is that you can change it if you stop kind of, if you realize that it's a starting point. And even if you have secure relationship right now, that can change <laughs> because you're not, you're a, you're not a dynamic, you're not a static, uh, you know, being, you are a dynamic process that with a nervous system that's being at the effect of your external world in every moment. And given the state, depending on the state of your nervous system, you could get triggered into an old wound and go into what we call sympathetic dominant. And then all of a sudden, boom, you don't feel safe. Then that's going to spill over into our relationships. And so the first real thing I want to get you to understand is if you relate healthy relationships and healthy relationships attachments all come from my ability to be able to regulate my own anxiety whenever it comes up whenever it gets triggered that's why i have um a show that's why i have a, a facebook community called trigger proof because um that's really what it's all about. I realized I was, it's not about finding a secure relationship. I had to become secure in my own body. And that's really, um, that's really what it's about. It all comes down to this to, to go from insecure to secure. It's not something that we will achieve by looking outside of us. 
You've been listening to the Trigger Proof Podcast, designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience. And a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. It comes from the, the creation of a secure relationship within ourselves, and that's really what it's about. And so I'm going to invite... Um, uh, anybody who would like to come up, uh, just put it, putting up your hand and you want to share uh, or you have a question, this would be a great time because I'm going to go over kind of the five fundamentals that I had to go through in order to go from insecure avoidant to a secure relationship. And it's and the cool part about it is it's not just insecure relationships uh, just with, with romantic or love relationships. No, no, no. It's with every relationship the gift of doing the inner work is that every single relationship transforms the biggest one that i noticed shifting was my relationship with men so that's why i'm here i'm here to to teach that this is what the fundamentals of all of our trainings are all about the breath work and badassery we have once a month because that's where i went through the overview experience is kind of like a 30,000 foot view of your life from the outside so that you can really look and then game plan moving forward and, and heal and get to a level of understanding to those things that you thought you needed to forgive. Let me say that again. Here's one of the keys, and this is why we, we offer this, is that it's really important, this was part of the key, part of my, my path, was to get to a point of understanding to those things that you, that I felt like I needed to forgive, whether that forgive myself or forgive other people, those things that we need to forgive really come down to a point of lack of understanding. The, this, is, this is a very controversial topic too. I've even spoken about this in many rooms and I've gotten so much hate because of it, but my certainty exceeds anyone's doubt about this because it's very few people are teaching this. Everybody's talking about you need to forgive, you need to forgive, you need to forgive yourself, you need to forgive others. And I, I think that's a very good, uh, in, the intent behind it is great because, excuse me, if you're going from a place of absolute resentment, absolute guilt and shame, then yes, forgiveness feels like an upgrade, right? But forgiveness still implies a state of judgment towards something. Forgiveness basically says what you did or what I did is so horrible and I have zero understanding of the rationale behind it 
uh, and uh, I need to forgive you for it so that I could be free. But I got something even better for you, even though it's a lot harder, uh, even though it is um, very few people are going to really get it. When I talk about this, I notice there's probably 80% of people will not get this and the 20% that get it are literally free. And this is who I'm, I would like to really hopefully connect with. So if you could truly understand yourself and other people, human beings from a nervous system level, if you just took away morality, religion, social norms, and all of these righteous kind of judgments that and morality that we have been instilled in us from religious doctrine and cycles of intergenerational trauma, if we can look beyond all of that and go into the nervous system of the human, then all behavior is perfectly explainable. I'm not saying... It, like it's excusable and justifiable. No, I'm not making a moral statement, but even something as horrendous to people as pedophilia, murder, that say, oh, like from a nervous system standpoint, I completely understand it. Am I, am I saying that I condone it? No, 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 I really want to make the distinction. This is not a question of morality. And to heal our traumas, I'm, I say, I say, I'm going to say something very controversial, and and that is that we must get out of the lens of morality and righteousness and good and bad, and we got to start to look at people with the lens of the nervous system, because when you do that, what happens is every behavior that you do to me, or I do, through the lens of the nervous system, is perfectly explainable. If you understand the states of your nervous system, if you understand how to regulate yourself, if you understand uh, attachment distress responses when we get triggered and how we regress to these childhood uh, behavioral, behavioral adaptations and then, you know, or we, we become like the um, wounded child or the adapted adolescent then every behavior is understandable. And when I can understand your behavior towards me, then I realize, then I see the innocence of your behavior, whatever it is. I'm not saying, I'm not justifying and condoning crimes and, you know, abusing children and all that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when you understand, when, when, a, when a person has had their innocence taken away at a young age. Like, let, let me give you an example. Classic example is uh, R. Kelly. I mean, I watched that documentary. Holy fuck. Like, he's he's literally on the spectrum, narcissistic, whatever. Yeah, he's he's there, right? But then when you really look at him, I'm not saying what he did was okay by any stretch of the imagination, but when you look back on his history, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. He was abused several times he had his innocence taken away right and so when a human being for example and i'm just throwing out this example just so that you can see that through the lens of the nervous system anything can be understood and that's the key to forgiveness that's the key because when you understand somebody you realize you, you know you don't need to forgive them in order for you to be okay you know but i get why you want to do it but 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 i but uh, please hear me out. So 
he has an experience where his innocence is taken away. The trauma gets stuck in your nervous system, right? Whenever you, whatever you uh, have a confusing sexual experience as a teen, the way that R. Kelly did, for example, if you watch his story, that stays in your body. And so there's a part of you that's 12 years old that has this innocence that was lost and taken away and there's a confusion there. So guess what happens when you become a megalomaniac star with these deep shadows, <laughs> this dark passenger hitting in the, hiding in the shadows that you haven't actually addressed, you haven't healed from, you haven't healed from those attachment traumas from, it stays dormant in your nervous system. And so when you have these young girls swooning at you, saying, ah, and they're, they're, you know, reaching out to you and they all, you know, what 12 year old, 13 year old just doesn't go crazy for someone in a boy band or a rapper or whatever. A true functional adult, like, I mean, I can't see this happening personally. <laughs> I'm not saying it would, but if I had 12 year olds following my Instagram or these Facebook lives and screaming, which won't happen, screaming, going, ah, love you for all of this stuff that you're putting out. Your rapping is amazing. So they just love my little beatbox. Ah, if I didn't have some sort of completion with that wounded 12 year old with all of that trauma, I would see that as an opportunity to get completion with what I, where I lost my innocence. So you know, these predators that prey on these, you know, young and innocent um, teenagers, for example, they're actually, I'm not condoning it, but when you understand, because I'm in, you know, I'm studying trauma and working at healing trauma, when you understand it from that lens, this person is seeing the innocence of that little child and saying, and by, by connecting with them, by bonding with them, they're bonding with those younger parts of themselves where they lost their innocence and that's why it becomes an addiction. Now you understand the dynamic. If we don't understand the dynamic and we just go into shaming and, you know, which I understand why everybody would want to shame and, and, and do that, and then we're not actually solving the problem. We're perpetuating because shame is what drives the addiction. Shame is what prevents us from stepping up and talking about it and saying, hey, I have a problem. I'm, I have, let's say I have that problem. I'm going to be too embarrassed to stand up and say, I really need to talk about this. Because if I step up and say, hey, I'm having these feelings about younger people and what do I do about it? Then I'm going to get shamed. It's too embarrassing. And so... Please understand, this is not a condoning. This is healing conversation. This is about a healing conversation. This is about getting people to uh, have some courage and share what they're ashamed about in a community setting because shame thrives on the dark. And that's really where our insecure attachments come from. These small T traumas come from these experiences that we've had. Uh, with our primary attachments, with our mother, father, with these caregivers. And what ends up happening is, unfortunately, they get stored and hidden in our body. And we start to act 
act them out within our relationships. You start to get into relationships in your teens and 20s and 30s and you start going, wow, this is a very familiar pattern. And as you go from one person to the next, some people, very few, too few I think, are ready and stand up and go, I see the source of my uh, relationship problems. It's not my fault, but there are things that I've gone through that are unresolved within me and they're contributing to these relationship dynamics. So that's really why I wanted to have this room on Clubhouse and uh, simultaneously going Facebook Live. So if you're on Clubhouse watching, jump into my um, Facebook community right now. The link is in the bio of my Instagram that you can tap onto and you can watch it. And uh, I'm also going to give a chance for anybody who's in the uh, room to jump on and ask a question. Just raise your hand. Uh, I don't know if I'm able to raise, uh, I don't know if I'm able to uh, raise hands. Let me see here. Open. Yes, it's open. So go ahead and raise your hand and uh, ask a question. Um, and I'll go into maybe helping you, maybe uh, specifically what your challenge is, uh, what you're going through. Um, and I'd love to maybe help coach you. So we have one person who's up. Awesome. Uh, Doc Sodaba, come on up. And uh, hopefully we have, we can hear you. Yeah, hello. Can you hear me? So, Dr. Sodaba. Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, thank you so much for your room. I have been learning a lot from you recently. Beautiful. So Are you Persian? Question. Are you Persian, by the way? Yes, I'm from Afghanistan. Oh, okay. Salam, salam. Nice to nice to <laughs> yeah, have you here. Thank you. Nice to see you again because I have been listening to you for a while now and I have learned a lot from you. So I have a quick question. Sure. Um, I have a very close friend mm -hmm. who has an avoidant attachment style mm -hmm. and I have noticed this in her for a long time now yep. and she's struggling a lot in her relationships but even though I have explained this concept over and over again and I have even like she tells me about some of her childhood traumas and I know her parents so I have been able to find patterns and explain what trauma might have caused this attachment style I have explained everything to her and I get a sense that she understands it subconsciously mm -hmm. or I don't know, but I get a sense that she understands the picture, <coughs> but she's still denying it and she has decided not to do anything about it. Yeah. So to me, she says, there's no problems with me. This is completely <laughs> normal. I'm normal. And she has decided not to do anything about it. Yeah. So I'm just wondering what could be done in this situation. <laughs> you're, a, you're a rescuer, Sadaba, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> ah, of course, you're a doctor. Most people who become doctors are rescuers. And I can really see how important it is for you to help her. And she just can't see it, right? Um, first question I have, if somebody who's on Facebook Live and you can hear, did you were you able to hear Sadaba? Uh, Sudaba, I, I, I'm not sure. If you can write in the chat box uh, on Facebook, um, I would love to, on the Facebook Live, I'd love to know because I want to make sure that the audience on Facebook Live could hear Sadaba's question so that I can respond because this is a, a very common thing. Um, essentially, uh, it's like I have this friend who's going through this these problems and it's clear. I just see it like right in front of my 
her fucking face. I could just see it. I just wish she would just see that it's her attachment wounds and she should deal with it, but she's in denial. She doesn't want to do anything about it. And do I have you, do, do, do I have it right? Yes. And, and your question was, what do we do in this situation? <laughs> so I'm going to give you the short answer and then I'm going to give you the long answer. Are you ready? Are you ready? So my, my, here's my first question. Okay, so I'm going to explain this to you. Actually, I'm going to ask you a couple. Do you mind if I ask you a couple personal questions before I go into the answer? Sure, no problem. Okay, so... Sodaba, when you're trying to help this friend, it's somebody who you really care about, isn't it? Yes. Okay. So the fact that she's not doing something about this, and this is going to be a weird question, and you're going to try to, it's going to be weird, and you might try to duck and hide from it, but I'm going to encourage you to go deeper. What are you making that mean about you, that she's not doing something about it? I think I understand where you're getting. No, 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 no. Don't try to. Nah, I knew you would do this. <laughs> I was like, she's going to try to just just go with me here. Just go with me here. If you if you please, please do. Please, please, please. I'm requesting yes, you lend us your nervous you. system. Yeah. So because to me, I realized a long time ago that I used to have anxious attachments. Mm -hmm. And. I know that it's related because I think ultimately everything about the outer world and our relationships Bingo. is about us. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, so you. can you, can you, no, can you answer my question now? Thanks for that, by the way. I appreciate that. And can you answer my question now? How old did you, do you, like, what, like, what are you making that mean about you that she's not doing something about it? Um, so I think in a way it, makes me feel like I'm trying to have this connection, but it's just not happening. Right. And she's and not, and she, and her not, her not, you know, stepping up and, uh, fixing this problem is, is meaning what about you? That you're what that she, because she's doing that. What are you making that mean about you? I might have a difficult time having the right term for it, mm -hmm. but I think Try. I understand what it is, but I just don't have the right terms. So if you give me some okay. options, I can it's a, it's one. It's usually, this is, by the way, this is what I teach. This is the, the, the art of becoming trigger-proof, right? So the question you want to ask is, what am I making this mean about me? She's doing so-and-so or not stepping up, so that means that I am what? I am what? Finish the sentence. Go into your body and go, I am what? She, she's, she's behaving the way she is. She's not stepping up to heal this. And this is triggering me enough that I'm going to come to a clubhouse room and ask this question. <laughs> so it's, it's bothering me because <laughs> yeah, I'm making it mean that I am what? Sense. Yeah, I am what? I mean, one could argue that it might mean that I'm not lovable. Bingo. There you go. So I'm not lovable. So there you, there you are. That's all I wanted to know. So here's, here's the other, here, that's all I wanted to know. By the way, when people start this deep inner work, there's just as much resistance as that. As you practice the skills of taking your triggers and learning and unpacking them, you're able to catch that and autonomically regulate. Why do I talk about that? Why is that so important? 
because that's literally the secret to having secure relationships right there. Your ability to understand and instead of react and go, God, why is she not? It's obvious she's got all these issues. It's like taking a friend out for coffee and they're telling you about their problem and you're just like, oh God, that's so obvious. You should da 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 da. And you're an amazing at giving other people advice. But how good are we at realizing that sometimes people just don't want to fucking change. They just want to vent. And this is what I realize about this and clubhouse too. I mean, I like the conversation. So I do like, you know, spending my time and, and don't, and donating my time and, and raising awareness because there's one out of a few people that are like, yeah, I'm ready to do something about it. So, um, most people that come on clubhouse talking about their problems don't really want to change anything. <laughs> so Daba, they don't, they don't. And it's sad because you see them suffering and you're like, you see it, right? And you're like, okay, so why don't you do something about it? They won't. They're like, no, no, no I don't have a problem. I'm in denial. I don't really want to face my shadows. We don't want to face our fucking shadows. Look how difficult it was for you just for me to ask you those. And I did that on purpose because I knew that we would come around to this is see how uncomfortable it was for me to hold a mirror to you and go, hey, look, there's a part of you that was resisting and you're like, I, I don't listen, let's just talk about something else. Cause I don't want to look at my own shit. Well, exactly. <laughs> we don't want to face our shadows. It's this is this work. The work healing work is much like weight loss. People don't want, they say they want to lose weight, but when it, in, when they see what's involved, which is saying no to the cookies, um, uh, getting up at 6 a.m. and moving their body, uh, sleeping more and taking care of themselves and saying no to certain foods. That's when people are like, all right, peace out. I'm not doing it. So the first part of the answer is what do you do when you ask, because you asked a specific question, what do you do for something like that? The first thing I would do is I would realize that they don't actually want to change. The time that people actually take on their healing work is some, it, 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 what dro drove me to it is hitting rock bottom. Like you gotta let them hit a point and it's hard when they're your friend. You gotta let them hit, you gotta just, you know, what I would say is like, it, as they're telling you stuff is, you know, that's really difficult. How can I help? How can I help support you? What can I do for you? And number one, realize that they don't want the fucking help. If they did, they would be like, I'm ready. This is when I get, and I can tell, I get about 20, 30 emails a day and we have about 50 applicants to work with us every month and everybody loves telling their story and I can literally see from the DMs who the people are that are actually serious about it changing. Most people just want to be heard and that's okay right? They just want to be heard. They don't want change. Um, people will DM me. Can I, the people will DM me. Can I just get on a call with you just for a few minutes? I just want to tell you my story. And I'm like, fuck no. Cause you just want to emotionally dump to exhaust me. And then you want to do nothing about it. And so I had to create boundaries around that. It was difficult for me, but that's been a part of my game now is that I only want to talk to those now that are actually serious about doing their own work. And so what do you do about that, Sodaba? 
there's two things happening. Number one, her not doing anything based on your recommendations and just ignoring it and being in denial is bringing up a transference within you. There's an unlovability. And I asked you this earlier. I said, what are you making that mean about you? You said, I guess you were kind of like, um, when your response based on the sound of your voice, I knew you didn't want to be kind of put on the spot. So there was a little bit of a, a block I could feel in your throat that you weren't really letting yourself go into that, which is completely understandable because I totally fucking threw you on the spot there. But there's a, I'm unlovable part of you of a younger part of you that doesn't feel heard. And that's step one. The second part is for you to, um, The second part is for you to uh, look and, sorry, my Facebook Live just just cut out. So uh, the second part of this is for you to understand that she is reflecting a part of you that's in denial. So there is a, there is a younger part of Sodaba where you were talking about how you at some point had an anxious attachment, which is understandable, which is cool. Um, that was in denial, that didn't want to face their shit and in denial. And she's reflecting that part of you. And so the invitation here is to go inward instead of try to fix somebody who doesn't really want to be fixed. They just want to be heard. That's the short and the long answer. Does that resonate at all for you, Sadaba? Yes, it makes perfect sense. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Thank you so much for asking. All right. Is there anybody else? My Facebook Live has ended. Um, but anybody else have any specific questions? Uh, go ahead and raise your hand. This would be a great time to jump on and ask. I know we have uh, some peeps that just literally came in. And I am talking about going from insecure to secure in relational attachments. And it's... Um, it's probably one of the most important things I realize. I thought it was all about babes and money. Um, that was the first half of my life until it led me down a path where I was like, geez, this is, there's something deeply missing in my life. So my second half of life is, is really uh, dedicated to cultivating and deepening and my secure attachments. And I absolutely, what makes my heart sing is to teach people these skills because we weren't taught we just weren't taught and our insecure attachments come from childhood and we get them triggered as Sodaba was giving that example earlier. We have them triggered every single day in our interpersonal relationships. And without doing that skill and learning these skills of going inward and taking ownership and, and integrating these parts that get activated in our shadows, we're constantly triggered by other people. We're trying to rescue people who don't want to be fixed we're trying to attach to people who aren't really all in. We get treated by other people the same way that we're treating ourselves. And we're always looking outside of us for answers. And so this type of work I call becoming trigger proof is really about going inward and mastering this. It's like surfing. You can learn uh, through practice. And this is really what all of my offerings uh, are aiming for. And today, for example, we have a call, a group training in my uh, community. We're, we're going to be talking about rejection. 
So it's re- there's something really amazing to be said about being in a group of people who, uh, being in a community of people who, um, I don't know, who, who are sharing their internal experience so that you know that you're not alone. And we are actually doing the work, meaning we're, we're working at do, what is the work? The work is a series of neural exercises to expand your capacity and your nervous system, to expand your resilience for things like rejection, for things like um, abandonment, for things like self-doubt. And so instead of doing, you know, positive uh, enlightenment kind of spiritual bypassing type of stuff, which is all about love and light, we become more resilient when we go the opposite way and go into our darkness. And very few people venture there because it's scary, but there's a freedom that comes from doing that. And the ultimate freedom is when the voice and the vision on the inside of us becomes louder and more profound than opinions on the outside. That becomes um, the, the path to mastery. And when you, when you have that, every relationship becomes more secure because the relationship with ourselves becomes more secure. We feel safer in our own body. We feel uh, open to tell the truth. We don't have to hide our truth from anybody. And so that's really what I love chatting chatting about. Is there any anybody in the room here? I know this was kind of, uh, I'm just tinkering with this and I'm in the brain care club and I was my first room by myself. So I think I didn't do it right. But um, anybody have any questions? I'd love for you to just go ahead and raise your hand. Uh, Sotaba had a great question, which the answer that she got wasn't uh, what she was hoping for. She actually asked the questions uh, so that I can say, yeah, try telling her this, this, this. And none of what I teach is about uh, trying to change other people. Uh, I I teach uh, shadow integrative work. Um, dealing with with the dark part, darker parts of ourselves, because everything that irritates, as Carl Jung says, everything that irritates us about others, leads us to a greater understanding of ourselves. And I'm all about getting to a deeper understanding of myself using whatever's on the outside. And that's how I've been able to have a marriage that, you know, is secure. And by secure, I mean we're able to have really uncomfortable conversations with one another about how we're not meeting each other's needs or how they're, how we're not getting our needs met. <laughs> it doesn't mean like things are rosy all the time. It means we argue and then we repair, we have misattunement and then we work on, you know, rebalancing. And so the second half of my life is completely dedicated to community and teaching people how to have healthy, secure attachments because your health depends on it. Your wealth depends on it. Your feeling of worthiness depends on it. Your, the quality of your life completely depends on the secure attachment you have or don't have within yourself. So I'm going to give an opportunity over the next minute or so for anybody else to ask a question before we jump off. If you're not already a member of the Trigger Proof community, jump in right away and join us and uh, let me know what you thought of this uh, broadcast. Oh, we have another one here. Christine LaRose. Christine LaRose, come on up. Welcome. Hi, Dr. Nima. Hello. Nice to have you here. So this is my first time actually speaking on a clubhouse. I've been a kind of a creeper for a little minute. Oh yeah. Are you nervous? My first time. A little bit. Okay, cool. You're in the right place. What can I help you with? Um, so I'm recently 
going through a separation with my husband, which kind of like hit me off track like way out of left field you didn't expect it you didn't see it coming no i did not see it coming. yeah that sucks i you know had one experience and he had another experience but i'm learning i guess through our through watching um in the trigger proof community that i have an anxious attachment style and my husband is more avoidant so he's able to hide those things because he's avoidant and i'm able to you know try to like you know, I go into fight mode, like, okay, how do we fix this, you know, and get past it so we can, you know, be in a better space. Um, so it's an interesting dynamic learning these things. I wish I would have known them, you know, seven and a half years ago before I got married. <laughs> yeah. I wish I knew that before I got married too. You know, most of the clients that we work with, I remember there's this internist, she's a medical doctor. Uh, married with two kids, one's seven, one's 11. And on our first call, actually, she was three weeks into one of our programs. And she said, Nima, I wish I learned this before I got married. And especially before I had kids. And I'm like, I know, right? Every single person uh, who does our programs and our work, uh, they're like, fuck, I wish I did this sooner. But the problem is when it, when years ago, you gotta, you gotta see this from a realistic standpoint, a realistic perspective, Christine, because mm -hmm. the, the only thing that will drive you into this deep inner healing work, and I'm talking about deeper than just talk therapy, because talk therapy, a lot of times I've, our clients realize that they were doing talk therapy as a bypass, because once they start this level of work, they're like, oh my gosh, I realized yeah, my husband's doing the talk therapy and I'm getting more into the somatic. Okay. Yeah. You know, following you and getting ready to do the breath work and badassery. Yeah. You know, totally, kind of stuff. totally, totally. And you know. you know what? Everybody, everybody's going at their own rate, right? Okay. Everybody's yeah, going exactly. at their own rate. And, and we have so many of our clients are like, fuck, I just wish my husband would do this. Fuck, I wish I, I wish that my, my wife would do this, but she's not open to it. And it's like, look, the work that we do here is not about fixing other people so that they can finally see us. The work yeah, here, Christine, yeah, the worst, the, the, the work here, Christine, is to really go all in with healing with parts of ourselves that need others to see us to feel validated. Let me say that again, because that was big for you. That was big. That was big. And I think you're driving, so you don't have time to write this down. <laughs> but sometimes I get an intuitive hit and I'm getting, and I read people very well. Uh, after doing a lot of trauma work, you start to start to have extra, extra sensory perception. You feel a little kind of voodoo-y and, and psychic-y. And that's just been very recent. And so I, I now listen to those intuitive hits. Um, your work is not about doing something so that he can finally see you. Your work is to heal Christine with the parts of yourself that desperately need him to, 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 to validate you in order for you to feel loved. Mm. When you do that, and that takes a good three to six months of intensive work with the, the, the just judging from the people that we worked with, and a, a deep willingness, a deep willingness to really dive into your shame and all of the things you've been, you know, using relationships and 
addictions and whatever to not feel to actually learn how to feel them it's and learn that it's not about feeling better but it's about getting better at feeling and all of a sudden when you do christine your divine feminine comes out and your insecure attachment starts to fall away and you start to emotionally mature and two things will happen is what we noticed one of our clients uh was in this should i stay or go type of situation thinking of separation, trying counseling, all of that, jumped in and started doing the work. And after two months, she was like, I'm ready to leave. And she finally leaves because she was in counseling with him for six years, week after week and stuck in the same place. And finally, she's like, I need to do something different. I need to do something deeper and went in. And she just on one of the sessions, one of the calls, she was like, I got it. I got it. It was kind of like a moment where I'm no longer going to be treated in any other way than like, I'm not available to be treated anything other than superbly. And she finally, with an open heart, this is how you can tell, she did it with an open heart. She said, it's Mm -hmm. time for us to go. Because if you're like, fuck this, I'm leaving you, and you have a closed heart when you do it, that's the secret is is you don't want to wait until you have a closed heart. If you want to leave, you got to leave with an open heart. And she left with an open heart to the point where he he actually helped her move because they have three mm-hmm. kids. He helped her with the move and and what that and just went on and they started seeing other people and something happened. Something shifted within him. She was like, "Ah, oh, okay, he was doing all the counseling stuff, but then he went deeper. He woke up and he finally stopped doing pretend work and he actually went in and did the work and he changed. And it's almost like she was dangling him over the gates of hell and it wasn't until she finally took a stand for herself and healed herself that two things will happen, Christine. Either they will step up and meet you there, which is what he did, or mm-hmm. you already win because you've stepped up and you can leave with, a, with an open heart. And that's the secret. And so, Christine, I, I'm so grateful that you that that you shared. Did, did that land for you at all? That is exactly the place where I have been because for Beautiful. my whole life I have said, "Oh, you know, I'm just not emotional. I don't have emotion. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just not that person." Yeah, and man, I have been doing the inner work, and I'm like, "Dang, I don't like this." Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's how it is. Yeah. Once you start doing the real work, um, it's not pleasant. People are like, oh, it's fair, airy, fair. No, no, no. It's a spiritual awakening. It's hurting. And neuroplasticity is growth, is feeling, right? You're, you're accessing feelings. So I tell, I warn my clients, the first four to six weeks of it, it's kind of like you just started doing CrossFit when you never did CrossFit yeah. before. And so most people are just want to be, we just want to do it being comfortable. And so you don't go from insecure to secure by being comfortable. That's what, that's, that's the point I'm trying to make. You got to yeah. abandon comfort in order to do it. And that's really the Holy grail. That's the, 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 victory you get at the end of all the work is like when you cross that finish line and you have the tears after the marathon you don't you don't have the tears of joy because it was easy <laughs> yeah, yeah so c- kudos to you on your journey and it sucks, but it's you know it's enlightening and i am grateful that i found you and you know I'm beautiful beautiful actually well, i'm doing the work are you are you coming to breath work on saturday Okay. So Christine, here's the thing. This is the other thing is that a lot of times people are like, I'm going to, because they're inspired, right? And then they don't take action. Mm -hmm. 
So mm-hmm. take action and actually throw your hat over the fence. Our breathwork and badassery is on Saturday and the link is in my bio. So don't like, like we got a ton of people coming. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's, and it's going to be, you know, inspiring and you're going to bump up against your ego. You're going to have a bunch of fears that are like, uh, I don't know. I have other things, but if you, you're healing. Exactly. A ta- I have a previous commitment with my kids and I'm trying to get someone else to take them. So I don't, so I can do Right, that right. Yeah, totally. I'm and so. my husband to take it. Yeah. You know, it, being that he's kind of checked out right now, he's not really. Right. Wanting to work with me much, so. Yeah. And this is a challenge because the very reason why we can't, because like, let's say you have a problem setting boundaries. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Now, soon as you decide I'm going to heal from this shit, I'm going to do it. It's going to involve you bumping up against this boundary problem. Mm-hmm. And to heal this will take Christine going, you know what? I'm going to sign up and I'm going to start attending these events or or I'm going to start receiving coaching and do the program. And these are the times and these are the times where I'm not available because that's Mm. queen energy. That's divine feminine energy. I'm just warning you when you get into healing, that's when you're able to go, I'm available for this and I'm not available for that in a, in, in a non kind of wounded bitchy way, very, very Mm. in a very elegant and graceful way this is I'm not available for, and this is what I am available for, which is really part of boundaries, defining who you are. The problem is you don't have that yet. So in order for you to receive the, the, the training that's going to help you with it, you got to have a breakthrough in boundaries and say, this is what's important. So you signing up and registering is the first breakthrough because it's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have all the old stories that have prevented you from choosing yourself come up. You're going to have mom guilt come up. You're going to wonder, oh, you know, is he doing stuff with the, with, with, with the kids? Is he this and that? And all of that's going to come up. And that's part of the journey. That's what true somatic work is. It's not just Mm -hmm. going and talking to somebody. It's saying, no, I'm, this is important for my healing because I want to break those cycles and then not have the kids be raised in this insecure dynamic. So in order to do that, I have to stop abandoning myself and put myself as a priority. But the problem is I've never done that and I'm terrified of doing it and I have all this guilt. So can you see the, and that's why the obstacle then becomes the reason. And this is everybody. This is everybody. So I'm just going to say, we're having it, whether you're there or not, it doesn't really affect me. I'm just saying for you, for, for the family dynamic to change, you have to change a step in this dance. That's what mm-hmm. breaking the cycle is. The cycle is this familiar dance of Christine abandoning herself again and again and again, abandoning herself again and again and again. And that's very common. And so our work is to break, to change a step in that familiar dance and break the cycle, not waiting until, oh, everything's going to be perfect or I don't feel nervous or scared anymore. Now I'll do it. No, no, no. You got to do it nervous. You got to do it scared. It's got to be, it's not going to be convenient. None of that will be. But if you just commit to that whole process, who you are within a year, as you make these little baby steps you'll be incredibly proud of. And you won't have this, this guilt dance with choosing yourself anymore. Mm. All right. 
Thank you, Dr. Nima. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that uh, beautiful share. Does anyone, uh, anybody else would love to come up and ask a question? Now would be a wonderful time. Just go ahead and hit that little hand raising. And what I'm curious, what was relevant for you in this uh, conversation? I know a couple of you just jumped in later, and that's fine. Uh, but what stood out the most? I'd love to hear it. I'm going to give you an opportunity to uh, to ask or even share on the Facebook community at the Trigger Proof Facebook group. I'd love to hear it. Uh, Gila. Awesome. We have another another person. Gila. Is that Gila? Gila? Gila. 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 What's up? Hi. Um, yeah, I love this topic. I'm sorry I jumped in a little late. No worries. I, I love coming into your guys' rooms. Um, so I, I've i been working a lot on my, you know, uh, codependency and relationship with my mom for years, you know, since I figured that out. And yep. So last week, um, this incident happened where, so mo- the majority of my life, I, ha- I know there's these um, unspoken rules and so every time I've tried to explain it to other people, this feeling of I can't, right? Mm. It's like I can't because my mom would react or respond in this way, yeah. you know? And it, and it almost has felt like for a long time, like I've been trying to work through this like phenomenon, right? It's like, is it happening? Is it not happening? You try to explain it to folks and maybe it doesn't seem real. But last week I had this incident with my mom where she, for the first time, verbalized these expectations that I feel like, oh, wow, I have felt this my entire life. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time she has said the words and it just felt really surreal. So, so what it was, was that my mom wanted me to do something that I couldn't do for her. And I'm the parentified child. So I help her with everything and I'm first generation. And so there's all these layers, Mm -hmm. but so my mom asked me to do something. I was like, Oh mom, like I won't be able to do it that day, but let me see if I could have one of my friends help Mm -hmm. me with that. And she completely flips out on me and she's just like, you're never there. Mm -hmm. I can never ask you for anything. I have to ask you like a month in advance. Mm -hmm. So I, for the, you're never there for me. Yeah. I had to stand up for myself. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I've stood up for myself in like subliminal ways. Yep. Never like, never overtly, never with your voice. Right. Which is why you're a vocalist. Yeah. (laughs) Makes perfect sense. <laughs> so this time I was like, mom, like everything I do is for you. Like yeah. everything I've been doing, like what I do, what I don't do, my decision. Like, I don't think she realized like how much of, you know, my life is, is, is like, uh, determined by like her, you know? And so then I told her, I said, you know, I have to eventually like start doing things for myself, like things for my life, you know? And so we had this conversation and. And so then what I was left with was like, what do I do now? (laughs) Yeah. Because the moment felt like, okay, it's an empowering moment. But the next day I felt that guilt. Yes. Yeah. I was not a good daughter. Right. You know, speaking of attachment, I feel like I really am working towards healthy attachment. Yes. But how do you find that healthy place when the other person still has that right. other level of attachment with you? Well, the thing is, first of all, like that's, that's hard. Um, guilt is the, I want you to write this down. Guilt is the price of differentiation. Guilt is the cost of breaking the cycle. 
right? And the feeling of guilt is what you've been trading in for resentment by not speaking up, by not using your voice, by not bringing to, to voice what you feel, right? So because you've suppressed that, there's been a resentment that's been building. And if you don't address it, this is how I got introduced into this work is it creates illness. And so I started seeing people with illnesses come in and um, unresolved anger or anger that you haven't been able to express Mm -hmm. turns into kind of like this fawning type of experience where you then will fawn with relationships with men. Can you see that? Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is where it all... Right, exactly. So this is where it all comes from, right? And so that's insidious. That is small T trauma, Mm -hmm. right? And so not being able to feel safe to say no, Mm kind of like what you finally did, and then your mom loses her shit on you, then all of a sudden you regress back to this little girl. And because of the work that you've done, you stepped up and spoke up, right? Mm -hmm. right? And you feel proud of yourself, but then the next day, boom, what happens? Guilt, I'm a bad daughter shame, all of this stuff. I failed. What a poor mom. Maybe I should fawn her again and let me see if I can kiss her ass and get in her good favor again. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So this is a cycle and to break that cycle, we have to heal with those younger parts. How old do you feel when you feel this guilt for not fixing mom or saving mom? Right. And so our work is to heal that because what's sad is not that you spoke up for yourself and gave yourself permission to have a voice and have preferences and have desires and have boundaries. That's That's not the problem. The problem is what you make that mean about you. So now you're, you've, you've, you've now abandoned yourself as a result. And I don't blame you because this is conditioned. This is something you've been doing since you were a little girl. Mm-hmm. So healing that is critical. What do you do the next day is there are practices, neural exercises you learn to reconnect with those parts. And I can already tell you've done a shit ton of work already. I mean, you help others, don't you now with, mm-hmm. with, um, with with addictions, you're a counselor, you're a specialist. This is just a calling for you to go deeper, mm-hmm. you know, because we're all on a journey We're you know, it's, uh, it's not about self-improvement. It's just becoming aware of parts of you that need your attention. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do the next day? There are a series of, of exercises that when you do um, help you reconnect with those parts And then now what'll happen is you'll get triggered. You'll regress back to that little seven-year-old, but then the recovery becomes much faster. And you're going to be triggered again and again and again. The whole nature of this work is that we quicken the recovery. And that's really what it's about. That's what I love teaching. So finding a guide and a community to help you with that specific thing will only make you an even better counselor and a deeper vocalist too, because it's something magical happens when we heal our traumas is our art becomes so much more rich because, because we've integrated parts of ourselves. Well, thank you. I love it. The feedback was great. Perfect. It Be- <laughs> resonates. Beautiful. Awesome. And it's, 
interesting that you said seven because that is definitely age for me. Well, I just, I'm telling you when I'm working with people, I just read into it and I just feel it and I'm just like, boom. And so I love, you know, helping people reconnect with the, with all of that. So that's really your work to do. And, um, you know, I, I, if you ever, you know, have any other questions or you need help or anything, make sure you reach out and DM and I'll be able to point you in the right direction. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I follow you on, on Instagram. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Anyone else? That was lovely. Does anyone else have a question? I'd love to hear. Give chance for one more. Um, but, uh, this was fun. I'm recording this. So this is going to be on my podcast. If you haven't uh, seen my podcast yet or heard it, it's on Spotify. It's called trigger proof transmissions. These are, you know, my trainings that I do, I just hit that record button or go live button. And then I talk into the, the, the microphone and camera, and then I answer questions like I just did here. And, uh, always the answer to every question is to cultivate a deeper connection with yourself. And we can't do it alone and no one can do it for us. So, uh, essentially finding a guide and a community is critical. Uh, where you feel, you know, safe, seen, and heard, yet challenged a little bit too. You don't want to go somewhere where it's just, they're just nodding their heads and just validating you. You want to be, you want to create some safety to have your blind spots and shadows exposed because that's really the only way that we can um, grow is by integ shadow, uh, integrating those shadow parts of us that, you know, we don't really want to talk about or discuss. So that is my, my really, my best advice is, is giving people what the medicine that I needed really. So this is what it's about. So I, I'm super duper grateful. I'm now committed to doing one of these rooms at least two, three times a week uh, around the same time. So if you're up for it and showing up and having questions, please don't hesitate. If you haven't already joined my trigger proof Facebook community. You'll see the video of this, although I just found out that there's a problem with the, the, the video. Um, but at least we have the recording of this for the podcast. So see you at the next perfect time.